AgBioscience is supported by Indiana Farm Bureau. Isn't it really exciting when companies announce collaborations that just really bring out the best of what both of them do to make something even better? Welcome to Ag Bioscience, the number one podcast in the world for innovation in food, animal health, plant science, ag tech, and agriculture. Here is your host, Agrinovis CEO, Mitch Frazier. Welcome back to Ag Bioscience. It is good to be with you and good to be with you, Kayla Chittister. Grateful to begin to look at the news on a monthly basis. Hi, Mitch. It's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. One thing that we have committed to as part of the Ag Bioscience podcast is not just to bring you the weekly discussions with great newsmakers. We had one earlier this week, but to begin at the end of each month to take a look back on the news that shaped uh, that month in ag bioscience in February 2024, a big month in ag bioscience. Yeah, I think you could call this our audio newsletter. And that's not to say that we discourage you from subscribing to the Agronovis email newsletter, which gets sent up at the end of every month. But yes. we're, we're going to do both. And this conversation is going to be just a little bit different than what we do via email. It is in maybe a little bit more color and a little more insight, maybe some perspective on the news that shaped the month in ag bioscience. This month, we've picked the top four stories with maybe a couple calls to action along the way. Let's start with number one. Yeah, so Elanco selling its aqua business. This is a big deal. So Merck Animal Health and Elanco coming together after a long process, it sounds like from the press release, selling Elanco selling its aqua business to uh, Merck Animal Health. This is a big deal. So when you look at what this is, really a commitment by Jeff Simmons and the team, Jeff being the CEO of Alanco, to focus on what they do, what they do well, where they can get the highest returns, and a big deal for the company itself. When you look at some of the coverage that's happened out of the news, again, the, the news of Elanco making this transaction, selling its its aqua business to Merck coming February 5th. We saw a story in Reuters, and I think this is good. Elanco committing to, with this transaction, they'll be able to trim debt just over a billion dollars, about 20% of the total debt load, really help boost investments in those pet health business and their farm animal business, the two key components of Elanco. Yeah, you know, I think we've had a handful of Elanco team members on this podcast over the past year, year and a half. And they're always so thoughtful about that innovation portfolio, what it is they do well, making sure that they're excelling in those areas and, and being very intentional about the future and how they look at innovation. And so getting rid of the aqua business, selling it off to create, you know, way for new opportunities. I think it's really exciting. I think it's brilliant. When you look at what Elanco has done and we rewind the clock here just a bit. I think their IPO was back in 2018. So they spin out of Eli Lilly and company, their own independent company. Jeff, bold leader, makes a $7 billion move to acquire Bear Animal Health, really makes Elanco at that time a beautiful 50-50 portfolio. Companion animal or pet health business, 50%. Farm animal business, 50%. And now, and, and that used debt, to, to make that acquisition possible now saying, Hey, let's, let's really focus on what we're good at. Double down on pet health business, double down on farm animal business, and let's do what we do well. And I think this is a great move for Elanco. 
Yeah, exciting as we head into, you know, a, a move to downtown Indianapolis That's here. Right, yeah. I mean, relatively soon, right? Compared to where it was when shovels broke ground on it last year, the year before last. Yeah, last year, the okay. old GM stamping plant. Time is a fickle at this point. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Should we move on to the next story? Let's do it. The, okay. the second the second story, a story that started at the end of last month in January, but we're going to take credit for it in February because this is a big one. Corteva and John Deere partnering together to make it easier for farmers to use data at the intersection of agronomy and equipment. Isn't it really exciting when companies announce collaborations that just really bring out the best of what both of them do to make something even better? It's so true. And when you look at John Deere, and again, bias is a former John Deere dealer. <laughs> feel, feel like safe harbor Wait, statements. Wait, are you sure? I know, I know. Everything's green and yellow, <laughs> really. Uh, but when you look at this, John Deere Operations Center, the, the data platform, the tech platform that sits behind John Deere equipment, incredibly powerful infrastructure that John Deere has created to really bring the best of all kinds of technologies together. And here you see Corteva the largest pure play ag company in the world, partnering with the largest equipment company focused on agriculture in the world. And you begin to see where these capabilities align. Corteva is amazing at plant science. John Deere, amazing at equipment. And these two working together for the benefit of the farmer. Yeah, and that was the point that I wanted to hit on the most. It's always really refreshing to see these collaborations coming together because they create a net new positive impact for farmers. It's I was looking at the press release here in front of me, and I I just love this. So Doug Souter, product guy, product leader at John Deere, this is a, his quote, future farming will be enabled by the combination of data-driven insights and science-based agronomic recommendations he goes on, but that's what this is, right? How do we take engineering and agronomy and bring them together to increase or to optimize performance in the field? It's yeah. amazing. And it's great for Corteva. I mean, and just adds to this list of growing partnerships and collaborations that are enabling them to do more on behalf of the farmer across the world. Without a doubt. And we've seen it. Dr. Brian Lutz has been on the podcast before. Brian being, one, just a brilliant guy, but two... A guy who's had a experience with Climate Corporation, chief si chief science officer, I believe is what he was before. Now he's uh, with Corteva and leading this digital innovation, leading this solutions-based structure for Corteva. I love, love this work. And I think this is, we're, we're going to see more of these partnerships between those within the value chain, the, the inbound value chain for the farmer. We've seen now Corteva link arms with Deere to bring this solution. But it's not been that long ago. What was it? Uh, September of last year where Agco announced the JV acquisition, however you want to look at it. The way it was positioned was that Agco would acquire 85% of Trimble's technology along with the autonomous company they had in Canada to bring it together. But a beautiful connection, a beautiful connection, again, where you see two companies focused on serving the farmer linking arms. We see it in Corteva and we see it in John Deere coming together. And we saw it late last year with Agco and Trimble. Yeah, absolutely. And as the producer of this podcast, I usually keep future guests close to the vest. We like to <laughs> unveil it very surprisingly, but 
I mean, we we write our own destiny here at Ag Bioscience, Mitch. And so Brian Lutz from Corteva will join us very soon to talk about this collaboration with John Deere. We're excited. So keep your eyes peeled on wherever you listen to podcasts. And we just had a leader from Trimble on. Uh, yes. Not that long ago, just a couple of days ago. Yeah. On Monday, Kevin Summers, the North American Carbon Sustainability Lead for Trimble and a really appropriate time to be having a conversation with him. It is when we look at all the things that are happening around sustainability, around new markets, things like carbon markets. You know, what Kevin shared with us is they've been working within this tech platform for almost two decades in Canada for carbon markets, sustainability markets. Now bringing that here and really one of the big stories that not only did we see take headlines in February, but I think we're going to see take headlines in March as well, which takes us to story number three. Yeah. So the federal government's pending ruling on carbon intensity for corn production. Yeah, this is a big one. We, we've often talked about sustainable aviation fuel and sustainable aviation fuel being how do we take bio material? corn? How do we take soybeans? How do we take biomass and turn it into fuel with the focus on green in the Inflation Reduction Act? What, just a couple years ago, Section 45Z was all about sustainable aviation fuel and how it actually, how you measure the carbon intensity of it. Well, the federal government came out with some guidance in December, no later than March 1st, we're expected to see how this GREET, G-R-E-E-T, which is an acronym, this GREET model actually identifies the carbon intensity of ethanol, which will be critical to understanding what tax credit the ethanol that goes into potential sustainable aviation fuel will actually be eligible for. Now, what this means is, well, there's this model, and when this model gets wrapped up, producers could actually benefit. The the ethanol producer itself will benefit and they'll pass that some of that credit back to the producers, all of that to be worked out. But this is a really big, really big deal for corn producers, a really big deal for ethanol producers, particularly in an environment where we look at this shift, macro demand shift. Again, we may not see it in our daily lives, but when we look at forecasts from a lot smarter people than than we ha- here and the data we have, but are forecasting the ethanol demand cycle decreasing because roughly what, 10, 10% of every gallon of fuel that you and I buy at the gas station is ethanol as gasoline consumption looks to trend down over the next couple of decades. Yeah. Finding ways to create net new demand for ethanol, for corn, is a really important piece. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm kind of glad you talked about the significance of it and its widespread impact, not only on farmers, but on the ag bioscience economy as a whole. This has a lot of implications for agribusiness, for farmers, for everyone. That's right. And I think it's it's really critical to think about this as we look at all the interconnectedness of the ag bioscience economy. We so often talk about innovation. We I mean, we've covered some of them here, right? We've talked about ag tech. We've talked about plant science with Corteva. We've talked about animal health with Alanco. We don't always talk about production agriculture, which is absolutely critical. The cornerstone, if we look at, let's just zoom in on Indiana for a moment. It's a $58 billion economy. 17 billion of that 58 comes from production agriculture. And so it 
it is a critical piece of this equation. And when you find net new demand for corn, for beans, whatever it may be, that drives local premium, it drives market, it drives success that ripples through the rest of the economy. We'll dig into the next trend right after this. Ag Bioscience is supported by Indiana Farm Bureau. Being your own boss is a different kind of job. You have to work harder, smarter, and you can't afford to let your health slow you down. That's why Indiana Farm Bureau is there with more affordable plans for members who need to stay on top of their health so they can stay on top of their business, whether it's a farm or any other kind of company, concern, or enterprise. To learn more about medical, dental, vision, and Medicare supplement insurance plans sponsored by Indiana Farm Bureau, visit infbhealthplans.com. Welcome back to Ag Bioscience, digging into the top four news stories of February 2024. Here's the next one. Speaking of production agriculture, yes. census data. Story number four. Yeah. Indiana is a top production ag state to no one's surprise. To no one's surprise, but with great excitement, Absolutely. great validation. You have the numbers before you. What do we see? So we are the number one producer of popcorn, gourds, and duck. That's incredible. It is incredible. Amazing that gourds made the list. I know. I like it. The gourd farmers, thank you for your work. Pumpkins close in a number two. Indeed. And then in the bronze, spearmint and turkeys, kind of the same commodities and products that you would expect to see come out of Indiana. How do we look on pigs, corn and beans? So pigs, I'm looking number five for pigs and corn, soybeans, number four. Number four. That's amazing. And I think you look at these commodities and it's it's kind of hard to put it into perspective. Right. When you look at, I mean, just the ones you covered, corn, beans, pigs, turkeys, I mean, a lot, a lot of pieces there connected to the food system itself. And this is an area that we talk about often. And I don't think we can talk about it enough. This is the only economy in the world that touches every person on the planet. It centers on food. And as we look at the interconnection between food, animal health, plant science, ag tech, agriculture, what all of those ultimately do is feed people directly or indirectly and being in a place, being in an environment, being in an economy where production agriculture is so strong, it makes the other pieces of the puzzle possible. Yeah, absolutely. I love, and I'll never forget it. Uh, you won't either because I know we were high-fiving when this happened. <laughs> when Chuck Magro, the CEO of Corteva, named Indianapolis its global headquarters. This was back in 2022. Corteva, now the fourth largest publicly held company, headquartered in Indiana. Incredible. Chuck is doing an amazing job as CEO. Chuck said one of the reasons why Indianapolis would become its corporate headquarters is because they wanted to be close to their customer. And here we have new data from the Census Bureau that shows that customer that Corteva wanted to be close to doing really well. Yeah, absolutely. We've come full circle. We have come full circle. And, you know, the one thing that we didn't hit, and this isn't really a story, but maybe commentary on where things are. There is a, a lot of move afoot in the ag economy. And we look at the broader, I guess, just focus of what's happening in this economy. One of our favorites, one of my favorites is we get a talk with Kristen Owen, Executive Director of Equity Research at Oppenheimer. Kristen was out with some new data in February, looking at kind of an amalgamation of all things forecasts in USDA, in, in US agriculture, and all the pieces of the puzzle that ultimately connect to the farm. And a couple data points hit me this week as I read through these. 
And again, these aren't all her data. It's an aggregation of a lot of things. But one of the things that stood out to me, USDA projects net farm income to decline 25%, a little over 25% in 2024 versus 23, down 27% on an inflation adjusted basis. But here's here's perspective because 25% is a big number. But when you look at this, net farm income is expected to be in line with 2020 levels. When you look at it on an inflation adjusted basis, really back in line with a 20-year historical average. So while we we are seeing a decline kind of back to that n- relatively normal level that we've seen historically. So how do you see, I guess, with those numbers in mind and those projections in mind from Kristen, how do you see that impacting the overall operating environment for the farmer? You know, I, I think it's it's interesting. Time will tell. By no means am I an ag economist, but in Kristen's report, what's fun, particularly for those with a connection to the great golden black, also known as Purdue University, Kristen actually cites the Purdue Ag Barometer hmm. in, in her research. And I think what is really interesting is she calls out that farm sentiment, so this kind of gets to your point, farm sentiment in the U.S. has weakened in near recent low levels including for capital investment. And the capital investment piece, again, coming back to uh, my bias as a former John Deere dealer, is you start looking at equipment. And the equipment industry itself, forecasting the machinery specifically forecasted to be down 14% year over year. So, and it's it's interesting in this research, this starts to look at some correlation between net farm income and tractor sales. And you can begin to kind of look at that, I think, as other inputs, right? So how do producers make investments in inputs? And I realize historically machinery is not input, but you get the idea, things that actually make the rest of it work. And it's based on a couple factors, one on you know how the last year was and how the year ahead looks. And while that seems very intuitive to say that out loud, to begin to see, and she does, she does a great job, Kristen's brilliant, does a great job here of looking at how does that actually work on a quantitative basis and where does that align and validate? And uh, yeah, we'll have to have Kristen back at some point to talk through this because there is, there's some interesting insights here on fertilizer. There's some interesting insights here on just how farmers are going to spend. I think the most important piece, the big takeaway here, when we look at what's the real impact, kind of back with traditional levels on an inflation adjusted basis, back to kind of where we were in 2020. Kristen Owen is absolutely fabulous. We've had the chance to have her on this podcast twice. And if we had her on twice more by the end of this year, that would be great. What Mm -hmm. we will do is she joined us from CES earlier this year. And so let's link her episode in the show notes. People can go back and listen to it. But great insight from her on just overall what to expect, big trends in the industry and what we can, you know, expect moving forward. And what you can expect going forward is, again, one of these we, we post, as you know, as a frequently listener of Ag Bioscience. Every Monday morning, we deliver news and insights directly to your podcast platform of choice. But every month, the end of every month, we'll deliver this, uh, a podcast like this, looking at the news from the year or for the month gone by. Kayla, one thing that I want to make sure we hit is invites to a couple of things that we're doing in yes. March. Uh, let's start with the governor. Yeah, so Agronovus's first quadrant networking series of 2024 kicks off March 6th um, at the 16 Tech Innovation District in Indianapolis. Governor Holcomb will be joining us for a fireside chat with you. Yes. This will be the second time in 60 days the two of you have had an in-depth conversation. 
Love the guy. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Indeed. And so we'll really be talking about that intersection of people, plants, and animals, which is one of our favorite topics. It is. And what I am really looking forward to with conversation with Governor Holcomb is on this reality of the criticality of the ag bioscience economy, the innovation that's happening here. We'll dig into that. And then Selena Sardina from the Indiana Economic Development Corporation is going to lead a discussion. And this one is going to be absolutely incredible. She'll have Kevin Still, the new, well, the CEO of Co-Alliance that will soon be the CEO of Keystone, which will be one of the largest co-ops in the Midwest. And I think I have this number right. We'll learn more about it from Kevin on March 6th. I think they'll be among the top 10 co-ops in the country. When we talked a lot about this operating environment, we think we're getting ready to head into it. It'll be really interesting to hear from him on how they plan to approach that with this gigantic base of farmers that they work with. And we'll hear from Reza Razalpour, who is from Corteva, yep. uh, leads uh, regulatory and sustainability, just a really amazing, bold leader. And Megan Ritter from Indiana Farm Bureau will join as well. Love Megan. And so that's March 6th. Then coming up later in the month, we'll be at World Agritech. Uh, we'd love to spend time with you there. If you're going to be at World Agritech, drop me a text or note on LinkedIn. Would love to find time. We may be hosting a special event or a special experience. Let's call it a special experience at World Agritech. So uh, drop me a note on LinkedIn. Would love to make sure you get an invite. Yeah. And for Quadrant, we will link the registration to that event in the show notes. It's a free event. It is. Yeah. Um, there's food and drink and networking. It's a lot of fun. And Kayla Chittister. Hey, I just provide the playlist. <laughs> okay. So we have <laughs> middle of March, well, March 6th, we have Quadrant. Yep. Middle of March, we'll be out in California, San Francisco for yep. World Agritech. What else is on the horizon? Uh, the Hunger Tech Innovation yes. Challenge is getting ready to kick off. It is. Uh, coming up, we, we will soon... They actually, it's open right now to, to apply for innovators, innovators to apply to participate in this challenge. And for those that aren't familiar with Hunger Tech, this is the idea of how do we use connectivity? How do we use digital innovation to better serve those in need? And how do we do that in a way that doesn't just focus on philanthropy, but actually focuses on a sustainable business model that enables long-term impact across multiple populations? Yeah, you know, the Hunger Tech Innovation Challenge is really cuts to the core of something we talk about at Agronovus that you talk about a lot, Mitch, which is doing good by also doing well. It is a powerful force. There's a book that one of my favorites called Forces for Good, incredible book that begins to unpack not just great impact, but great durable impact. Organizations who have built great business models with inside nonprofits Forces for Good is an incredible read. Whether you're a nonprofit person, whether you're a for-profit for business, it has been a powerful force for us, a force for change within Agronovus, and one that, while not connected to Hunger Tech and not that we're going to get anything out of talking about Forces for Good, <laughs> but uh, let's, drop a, let's drop a link to Forces for Good down in, uh, down in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talk about Hunger Tech anytime I think you and I are behind a microphone together, which is... Let's face it at this point, annually up until now. Um, but, you know, they're going to take a myriad of solutions to solve the problem that is food insecurity. It's too widespread. It's too tentacled. And so Hunger Tech is really designed to bring 
a bunch of different solutions to the problem because it's going to require that in order for it to be solved. I think so. And it's going to require a business-based approach as well yeah. as a philanthropic-based approach. And what I love, Jeff Zenz on the Agronovas team is, is really doing a lot of work to bring those things together. If you want to be a participant in the Hunger Tech Innovation Challenge, there is a $25,000 prize at the end of this rainbow for whoever can solve this, whoever can get to the closest to solution. All of that information is available, how to apply, what the criteria are, prompts to begin the innovation online at agronovasindiana.com slash hunger tech. Yes. Right? Super. Well, I think that brings us to the end, Kayla. February 2024 has been an extremely busy month. We already have started to talk about what's ahead in March and uh, what well, we'll be back here next Monday. Yeah, we will. And uh, whoever our guest is completely escapes me right now. But it will be great. It'll be a fantastic discussion. And we will see you March 6th in Indianapolis. We'll see you middle of the month at World Agritech out in San Francisco. And on behalf of Kayla Chittister, I'm Mitch Frazier saying thanks for listening. I just remembered who our Monday guest was, but was we it? look forward to seeing. Do you want me to say? Yeah, go ahead. It's Aaron Schott and Eric Bonabo oh my from gosh, Biome Edit. Amazing work in animal health innovation. We're dropping all the release date. Just you've broken all here. you've broken all your rules. Okay, and we 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 messed up the clothes. So here's the deal. Like uh, again, we're thankful for you listening. Mm -hmm. We're thankful for you. And on behalf of the Agronovas team, I'm Mitch Frazier. Saying thanks for listening. We look forward to seeing you real soon. Ag Bioscience is a podcast by Agronovus Indiana, hosted by Mitch Frazier, produced by Kayla Chittister and Fabian Rodriguez, photography and design by Kaylee Kerr. If you like today's episode, subscribe, rate, and review so we can bring you more conversations just like this. Get all episodes of Ag Bioscience at agronovusindiana.com.